Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. My timing was off. Uh, a few weeks ago, I, uh, I got to serve at a camp called Outdoor Outreach. I, I serve at that camp every year, and it's, it's usually the best week out of my year. Uh, th- this past year that I served, uh, w- one of the kids in my group, uh, she gave me a gift. Uh, the very first day of camp, she learned my favorite candy. The second day, she came to camp and, and gave me that candy along with a note. The note reads, reads, Jake, thank you for giving us candy all the time. You're a great person. You're great at your job. And I'm pretty sure you're a good pastor. Thank you for teaching us about God. You're the best person. Hope you like your sour worms. Um, I was moved to tears when I read that note in front of everyone. This genuine act of kindness, this, this act of love, it, it moved me. It meant so much to me. I haven't opened the bag of candy. I probably will never open it. I'm weird like that. Um, you might look at this bag and, and think it's not unique, right? You, you've seen it probably countless times in a grocery store. Uh, maybe you've bought a bag of it before, but, but this bag, to me, uh, this one's different. This one here, it is hand-picked with love for me. Uh, a love looking for nothing in return, a, a, a love freely giving, a, a selfless love looking to add happiness to my life. So no, I won't be opening this bag. It'll, it'll sit near my desk with the note next to it. And every day when I see that bag of candy and I see that note, I'll, I'll be reminded of that moment. I'll, I'll be reminded of that week of camp moments during that week that I'll carry with me the rest of my life. Kids that mean the absolute world to me now. Kids that made me feel so loved and, and, and added so much value to my life. Have you experienced moments like that in your life? Moments you just want to barricade yourself in? Moments you'd love to just stay in forever? Never leave? Just freeze time and remain in that moment? But the truth is, there's no stopping time, right? It's constantly moving. It, it, It does not stop. It never slows down. In life, we move from one moment to another. These moments, they could last days, they could last weeks, they could last months, they could even last years. But eventually those moments, they come to an end and and we leave them as time keeps moving. Some good moments we want to remain in, right? But there's also some bad moments that we can't wait to escape. And it's kind of mind-blowing when you think about the concept of time. And and maybe I'm just going through a midlife crisis. I don't know. Uh, But the time that we have, it is so precious. Every moment that we get, it is so precious. And it seems like those moments can can seem so brief in in retrospect, right? But the impact those moments has is everything, Whether they're good moments or bad moments, these moments, they leave a mark on our lives. What impact are we making in those moments? If it's a good moment, it's easy to show love, right? 
the moments that make us feel good, the, the love just kind of pours out of us. And that's part of what draws us into those moments. It's part of, a, it's part of what makes us want to stay inside those moments. In some ways, those good moments, they make us feel complete. Often we fight to leave those moments behind, wanting to just bury ourselves there. But time refuses to stop. And, and so we can't either. We can continue to move. But what about the bad moments, the moments where it's hard to love? What impact do we leave in those moments? Constantly looking for, a, for an escape or maybe simply trying to cope or maybe simply trying to just survive. Are, are we looking for ways to love others in that process? Are we so focused on being in a moment that we don't enjoy that we forget to show love, real love, real genuine love? What impact does that leave? And the truth is, as we're forced out of those happy moments, as, as time drags us by the heels out of those moments, and we scratch and claw to try and remain in those moments, we start to feel a little bit of anger, right? That we're having to leave that moment. We start to feel a little bit of bitterness because we're having to move into a new moment. Sometimes those new moments, they're not even that bad, but they're not the moment that we just experienced. And often we'll say, why now? Why now, God? Why do, why do I have to leave that moment now? Why, are you, why am I in this moment now? Why now? And for some reason, we allow that bitterness to outpower our love. Quickly falling into this pattern of, of only showing love when it's easy for us. Only showing love when we get something out of it. Only showing love when it's convenient for us. Only showing love when we feel like it matches the moment that we're in. Is that love? Is that real love? A love that comes and goes? A, a love that sometimes fades into the distance as time moves on? A love that stays in good moments, but it's missing when times get hard? We've been working our way through Romans 12. Here in this chapter, the, the writer Paul mentions what, the, what kind of love we should have in, in every single moment. Here's what he says, love must be sincere. Uh, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Uh, a short two verses, right? But so much depth, so much complexity in those verses. And the truth is that first bit, love must be sincere. I, I feel like if we figure that part out, uh, all of the rest, it, it kind of falls into place. Uh, but what does sincere love even look like. The English word sincere actually originates from two Latin words, sinecera. Uh, sinecera, it means without wax. You see, back in the day, merchants would sell pottery. Sometimes the pottery would get cracks, and so they would take wax, and they would piece the pots back together with that wax, and then they, they would glaze over the cracks, and then they would sell that pottery to to people, and people would buy it, they'd get it home, and eventually that wax would wear away, and then piece by piece, that pot would fall apart. So honest merchants, they, they decided that they were going to start branding their pots with those two words, sinecera, so that people knew when they bought that pot, it, it, was, a, it was pottery without wax. It, it was whole. It was not going to fall apart on them. Our, our love must be sincere, sine cara, without wax, love that lasts, love that won't fall apart because moments come and go. We can be grateful for the good moments, but when moments just don't go the way we planned, how can we tap into that genuine love, that sincere love Paul is talking about? 
Do we need to rethink our love altogether? Rethink our love and find a love not defined by the moment we're experiencing, a love that is constant and true, a a love that remains no matter what moment we face in life. Because the truth is, as as we leave those moments that mean so much to us, we we start to question, am I ever going to experience a moment like that again? And because of that, that anger rises up inside of us and we begin to cling to hate. We, we begin to honor ourselves over others. The darkness, it devours us. And in that darkness, we stumble into graves, grasping bitterness and despair, unwilling to love because we feel like we've lost too much by giving up that moment. So the grave, that's where we'll stay, holding on to that bitterness, holding on to the despair. No real love to give, none that lasts anyways. Love full of cracks, held together by pieces of wax. Eventually that wax wears away and piece by piece that love falls apart. How do we find our way out of the dark? How do we leave the grave? How do we restore the pot so as we enter into a new moment of life? Not holding on to bitterness, but instead a sincere love, one without wax, one that is real, one that is genuine. In the book of John, we find a man named Lazarus. Lazarus, he's laying in a bed severely ill. The sickness that he has, it is ravaging him. Lazarus, he has two sisters, Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary, they've tried their best to nurse him back to good health, but nothing is working. The sickness is relentless. Martha and Mary, they sit outside Lazarus' room, maybe leaning against one another, desperate, not knowing what to do next. Can you see them? Can you see them in that moment, a moment they did not plan, a moment they did not ask for? There in that moment, they decide that they're going to send a message to a family friend. This friend was close to their brother Lazarus. This friend was close to them. This friend loved their family. They believed that this friend could help their family in this moment. So they wrote a message to this friend. The note read, Jesus, your friend who you love, he is sick. They had seen Jesus do miraculous things. It was natural for them to think that Jesus could help their brother in this moment. They did not specifically ask Jesus to come and, and heal their brother. They didn't think they had to. They thought simply telling Jesus what the problem was, was enough. When Jesus received the message, though, he was about a full day's walk from where Lazarus was. And the truth was, by this point, Lazarus was already dead. And Jesus knew it. Here's what the Bible says. When he heard this, Jesus said that the sickness, it will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Two more days. He loved this family. Why did he stay where he was two more days? Why did he not rush to Lazarus's side? Why did he not rush to Martha and Mary's side? And I'm sure that this was agonizing for Martha and Mary. They probably struggled to understand this moment. They loved Jesus. They had helped Jesus. Why did he delay? I'd imagine it was hard for them to love in that moment. Thinking of good moments before, moments absent of sickness, absent of death. I'm sure in that moment, instead of love, they felt bitterness. Maybe they felt despair. Stumbling in the dark, they find a way into a grave of their own, wondering why they had been dragged into this moment. 
Why did Jesus delay? Why, why did he not come? Will he ever come? But through this all, Jesus knew the end result. And soon, soon the, the two sisters, they would know it as well. For five years, I got to live out a dream that I held dear of, of living in Puerto Rico and working at a school that I had fallen in love with. A, a moment in my life that lasted five years, a, a moment that I cherished, that I still cherish to this day. But eventually there came a time where I, I felt like God was calling me to do something else. And I felt like God was just opening door after door after door after door for it to happen. And then it got to the point where it just seemed like it was his will. It's what we were supposed to do, my wife and I. I was offered a position here at Central in children's ministry. And like I said, everything was just falling into place. My wife was excited about it. She was pregnant at the time. So we needed that financial stability. So we decided together, okay, let's do it. Uh, we're going to move from Paradise to Beloit, Wisconsin, um, only by God's will, right? But we were ready for that journey. But often you think God's will, it's going to be easy, right? And that's what I thought at first. But then the process of leaving that moment that had, I had for five years, that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life to this day. Um, I, I remember I, th these kids, I had taught them for the past five years, grown so close to them, felt connected to them. They all knew I was leaving uh, for about a month. And then the very last day, I remember that very last day I was going to be at school. It was a day full of tears and hugs and gifts. Um, at the very end of the school day, I was taking picture with, pictures with kids. They wanted me to sign stuff. Uh, usually at the end of the day, I would walk one of my sixth graders, G Gabriella. I'd walk her down the street uh, to her after school program. I'd, I'd taught Gabriella since she was in first grade. Whew. So we walked down the street together one last time and she held on to me. She was crying. I was crying. We got to her after school program and she hugged me so tight. And she said, Mr. Clark, please don't go. Uh, can't you just stay? I said, I'm sorry, Gabby, but I can't. A parent taps me on the shoulder, wants me to take a picture with her child. I, I do so. I turn back to Gabby and, and she's gone. I, I look up at the building of the after school program and in the window, I see Gabby just staring at me, her hand on the window and she is just weeping. She is just sobbing. And it's an image that I will never forget for the rest of my life. But it took everything I had just to walk away from that window. And I remember walking back down the street, back to the school, past the gate. I, I walked up the stairs into my classroom. I slammed the door behind me. The lights were off. So in the dark, I fell to my knees and I began to weep. I began to cry the ugliest cry I've ever cried before. And I began to yell at God, what are you doing? Why would you give me this dream and then rip me away from it? Why now? Well, why now are you doing this? Well, what is happening? There with my face against the concrete, I felt God say, trust me. When have I ever let you down? Trust me. So I whispered into the dark, okay. Wiped away the tears, got up, and a couple days later, my, my wife and I, we started our, our journey 
away from Puerto Rico. And I wish I could tell you it was easy once we got here. I wish I could tell you I was a changed man once we came, but all my joy, all my happiness, it was left in that moment. As we got here, uh, the darkness devoured me. I, I stumbled into a grave. I was depressed. I was sad. I was, I was wit- missing that moment. Even though the moment that we had here, it was perfect. God was making everything perfect. I couldn't see it from the grave though. And there was something I was missing, something I couldn't grasp because I laid in the darkness, because I laid in that grave, because I chose bitterness and I chose despair. I was not a fun person to be around. My, my family, they suffered for it. The, the love I had to give, it was full of cracks held together by pieces of wax. Ha, have you been there in a moment? Frustrated with the moment that you're in, wishing you could have stayed in that more fulfilling moment, asking God, why did he delay? Well, what's taking so long? Why are you doing this? Why now? After two days, Jesus, he started to make his way to where Lazarus was. He, he arrives on the scene and people are mourning everywhere. Just loud wailing everywhere. Lazarus, at this point, he'd been dead for, and placed in the grave for four days. Martha, she comes out to meet Jesus as he arrives. Immediately, Martha expresses her, her disappointment in Jesus' late arrival. Here's what the Bible says. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Martha, she expresses her disappointment, Right? But then she says, even now, those two words, they show Martha's faith and trust in Jesus, even in a moment like that. She didn't say, why now, Jesus? She said, even now, even now in this moment, I'll trust you. Even now I will believe. And Jesus then proclaims to Martha that her brother will rise again. Martha, she still doesn't understand what Jesus is implying by her brother rising again. The Bible says this, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who has come into the world. Martha had struggled to understand what, what Jesus was saying about her brother rising again, almost as if it was going to be in a different moment, a moment in a dim and misty future far away. But, but Jesus was saying, no, 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 I am the resurrection. I am the life right now in this moment, in every moment. I am that and so much more. And then here we see that beautiful moment where where Martha, she confesses that she believes that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And soon after this, here comes Martha's sister, Mary. Mary, she comes and she falls at Jesus's feet and she's weeping and she says the exact same thing that Martha had said to Jesus. Lord, had you been here, my brother would not be dead. It's almost as if the two sisters had said that to one another before Jesus arrived. Had you not delayed, we would not be in this moment. She laid there weeping, her face in the dirt. Jesus seeing Mary in the state, Jesus seeing Mary in this moment and moved him to tears as well. The Bible says that Jesus wept. The word used to describe Mary's weeping is a word that describes loud wailing. When a loved one died in that culture, that's often how family members 
mourned uh, this loud weeping, almost out of control. But when the scripture says Jesus wept, the, the word used for wept indicates a quiet weeping. Jesus was greatly moved, but he was not out of control. Jesus came into such a sad moment. People were mourning over the death of this man. Jesus was moved by this moment. People were, more, people were in grief and Jesus shared the grief that they were experiencing. They led Jesus to where um, Lazarus had been put to rest in the grave. And, and this grave was like a cave and uh, it had an entrance, but a, there was a stone in front of the entrance. And the stone was there to keep out wild animals. It was also there to keep the, the smell of a decomposing body within that grave. And Jesus says, take away the stone. Everyone freaks out. Martha goes to Jesus and she says, you can't move that stone away. He's been in there four days. Uh, can you imagine how bad it's gonna smell? And Jesus, he says this, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. It was silent at this point. People just staring at this grave, staring at this cave, staring at this darkness. They didn't understand what was happening. They didn't know what Jesus was doing. But as they stared at the grave, stared at the darkness, eventually they started to hear a sound, the sound of a man's feet shuffling. And that sound continued to get closer and closer until eventually, as they looked at the darkness, here comes Lazarus emerging from the darkness into the light. He was wearing what they called grave clothes, these burial linens that they would wrap bodies in. And immediately Jesus tells them to remove the grave clothes from him, almost as if he was saying there's no need for him to wear grave clothes because he does not belong to the grave. He is free. But here in front of everyone, we see the end result, the end result that Jesus knew about. The whole reason he had waited two days before coming to Lazarus, Jesus's delay, it was not a denial. He was not trying to make the sisters suffer in that moment. Jesus knew the end result. He knew it would bring greater glory to God. He also knew that it would help them build their faith. Though stuck in this moment that they did not plan as they watched Jesus work, as they watched the glory of God unfold their faith in Jesus, it was strengthened. And think about Martha. Jesus gave her a, a promise, right? Your, your brother will rise again. Jesus drew attention to himself. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Trust me. Jesus called upon Martha to confess her faith in him. Jesus called her to act on her faith by moving away the stone. A moment that had been so hard to love in, so hard to show real sincere love, quickly became a moment impacted by love. This moment that Martha and Mary, they wished to escape, became a moment they wished to embrace. Uh, all fueled by the sincere love of Jesus without wax, real love. Now a moment leading to the end result, the glory of God. As I mentioned a few weeks ago at Campa Outdoor Outreach, 
It was an amazing week, not just because a little girl brought me candy, but I felt God moving that week. I felt God working. I felt him doing something. I grew so close to the kids in my group. I felt connected to them. Uh, And it wasn't just the kids, honestly, it was all the volunteers, everyone working together, serving God together, worshiping together. Uh, We were like a family, like a a community. And I'd been doing the teaching uh, each day for large group. Uh, There was a certain part of the day, all the elementary campers, they'd gather, we'd worship, and uh, then they'd have to listen to me for talk for a bit, lucky them. Um, But our theme was back to basics. We wanted the kids to walk away with a firm grasp upon the foundation of believing and following Jesus. Day one was, so the week prior to that, I, I spent a bunch of time trying to write each of the, the lessons for each day. Day one, it was about, about the Bible being true. Everything in the Bible is God's word, comes from God. We can trust his promises. Day two, all about God's creation and how we're created in his image. Day three was all about how sin is bad and separates us from God. And day four was all about how he came and died for us so that our sins could be forgiven. And day four, I wanted to do something special. Um, I felt like it was such a heavy teaching. I, I was telling the kids about how when we mess up, we, we sin, we make mistakes and how sometimes that causes us to carry around that guilt and that shame and kind of weighs us down. And because of Jesus, because of God's grace, we don't have to carry that around with us. We can leave it at the cross. And so I told the kids, if, if any of you have come today and, and you feel weighed down by something in your life, and you would like me to pray for you, then once I'm done, I'll step off the stage and you can come forward and, and I will pray for you. Uh, the rest of you just stay in your groups and your uh, group leader will pray with you and you guys can head to lunch. So I end the service, I, I step off the stage and I have about 15 to 20 kids coming forward for prayer. I did not expect it. I didn't even expect to get one. Uh, but as they come, I just had them sit down in a line um, and one by one, I, I, I went down that line and, and I prayed for them individually. It was a beautiful moment and I, I felt so thankful for that moment. But as I left camp that day, I was sad. I knew the next day was the last day of camp and I felt the weight of the fact that soon that moment would be gone. I think we have a picture of my group. There they are. Whew. I think that was part of the hardest part. I'd grown so close to those kids and connecting with them and they made me feel so loved. They made me feel so good. Um, and part of me was thinking, I'm never gonna see these, these kids again. I didn't want the moment to end. I went home that night with the task of having to write one more teaching. Uh, the teaching for the very last day for large group that I had been putting off all week. And I sat down at my computer and I had no idea what to write. I just stared at it, thinking about how I, I wasn't ready for this moment to be over. And it, it was there though, as I stared at the screen, as I prayed to God, and I thought about time, how, how time, it never stops moving. Now, there's no stopping it. How we move from one moment to another in life. And so I wrote about that. I I wrote about how hard it was for me to say goodbye, how much that week, that moment had meant to me. Uh, I wrote about how God is with us in every moment, how how he uses those moments to strengthen us and and prepare us for other moments. 
And the teaching for that day was about how God wants to be with us forever, how, how he wants to be with us in heaven, uh, but we have to share the good news of Jesus as well. And so I wrote about that, uh, that one day we get to go to heaven where time stands still, so we need to share the good news with everyone in every moment. And on that final day, as I was teaching the kids that lesson, on that stage, as, as I was teaching the kids about the moments that God is with us, that he's preparing us in those moments, no matter what the moment looks like, that he's strengthening us through it. And on that stage, as I was teaching and I had my group just staring at me at the very front row, I thought about leaving Puerto Rico. For some reason, that, that, that moment just popped in my head. Now, I felt like maybe God put it there so impulsively. I, I shared that story with the kids. And as I shared that story and, and let them know how hard it was for me to leave that moment, I, I explained how that moment led to another moment and how that moment led to another moment. And there on the stage, I just saw this string of moments all these moments that God had brought me through, all these moments that God had used and prepared me through, had strengthened me through to be the man that I am today, to be where I am today. And I saw all of those moments leading to that stage being there in front of the kids. And in that moment, as I thought about all of that, I was overwhelmed with gratitude And so I explained that to the kids, how, how these moments, God is preparing us. And, and I thought about all the moments that God had planned for those kids as they sat smiling at me as I spoke. I, I realized that God had them there for a reason, that he had me there for a reason. I couldn't help but think about what he was going to do with all of that in the future. But, but when I, once I was done teaching, um, I... I got off the stage, I was kind of collecting things and one of the little girls that I prayed for the day before, she, she approaches me and she says, Jake, when you're done doing whatever you're doing, um, can I pray for you? I said, you wanna pray for me? She said, yeah. So I dropped what I was doing. I, I sat on that stage and just like I had done for her the day before, she, she put her little hand on my shoulder and, and she prayed the most beautiful prayer of sincere love without wax for me. And once she was finished, I asked her, why did you want to pray for me? And she said, because I am thankful. And she turned around and walked away like it was no big deal. Walked to where the other kids were eating and I just kind of sat there stunned and tried to take in that moment. And for a brief second, I thought, will I ever experience this moment again? Then I thought, trust me. When have I ever let you down? Trust me. As I drove home that day, I was full of emotions with the, the week being over. And I reflected back on the week. I reflected back on that, that day's teaching, how, how weird it was that I thought about that story. And I reflected about, back about the time where, where I did come out of that moment and the darkness that I was in and the, the grave that I lied in. And I realized what I had been missing what I had failed to grasp because I was laying in the grave, but that little girl who prayed for me, she got it. And as I reflected back on that, it clicked with me because I am thankful. 
I had been missing gratitude, being thankful for the moment that God had blessed me with, even though it was ending, even, even though maybe I'd never experienced anything like it again, being grateful for what God had done. And now I can look back on that picture of my group from camp. And though I miss them, and even though I feel a little sad and get a little teary-eyed, I, I am grateful, grateful for God blessing me with that moment. And as I enter into new moments of life, whether they're good moments or bad moments, I can reflect and be reminded of a sincere love, a, a love fueled by Jesus. A love without wax. Can you imagine if, if Lazarus had stayed in the grave? It's a thought I've wrestled with for months. I don't know why, but imagine Jesus, he, he has the stone rolled away. He, he prays to God, he thanks God. And then he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus says, no, I'm good. I'm gonna stay in here for a bit. I'm gonna stay in the dark. I'm just gonna lay here. Maybe I'll come out in a little while. And we think that's crazy, right? Well, why do we stay in the grave? Holding on to bitterness and despair. How can we impact every moment in our lives with sincere love as time moves and we move with it? On, on what foundation can that love stand firm in our lives? A foundation not held together by wax, but a sturdy foundation that will last through anything. Remember what we taught the kids at camp? Back to basics. Can it be that simple? Do we need to align our lives with the basic truths that God has given us? I believe it starts with us waking up spiritually. We tend to just lay down in the grave, grasping the bitterness and falling asleep spiritually. Fake, faking love, it is draining. Spiritually, you grow tired getting out of that deep sleep. It starts with reading the Bible, spending time in prayer, spending time with God, reminding ourselves of God's promises, promises that are true in every single moment. So we must awaken spiritually by aligning with God's word. Secondly, we need to be whole. As we lay in the grave and the wax wears away and we break apart piece by piece, this world will try to consume us as we rest in the grave, taking little pieces of us bit by bit. As we align with God's word, we're reminded that we are created in God's image. Everything good in him, he's put in us. He makes us whole no matter what the world tries to take away. So we must be whole by aligning with God's likeness. Thirdly, we need to be aware as we awaken spiritually and as we are made whole, we can be aware of what can harm us, of what can cause us to lay down in the grave, what causes us to be separated from God because of God's grace, we are forgiven. We can let that stuff go and we can avoid it. So we must be aware by aligning with God's grace. Lastly, as we awaken spiritually, as we're made whole and we're made aware, we need to live together as one. We need to love one another without wax. Devote ourselves to one another and honor one another higher than ourselves. What helps us live together? God's plan. He wants to be with us forever in heaven and not just with us, but with everyone. To do that, we have to share the good news of Jesus. We have to share sincere love with everyone in every moment and we can do it together. So we must live together by aligning with God's plans, with those pieces coming together, that, that foundation intact, no matter what moment that we face in life, we will not say why now, but we will say even now, even now, God, I, even now I know that your word is true. Even now I know I am created in your image. Even now I am aware of your grace. Even now in this moment that I did not plan, I will trust your plan 
And as we stand upon that foundation built on his truth, he will begin to build around our life. He will build peace. He will build hope. He will build joy. And as gratitude overwhelms us in our hearts and we say, thank you, Jesus, his love, his love will pour out of us no matter what moment we are in. His love, real love, a love without wax, sincere love, it will fill our lives and we get to share it. We get to share that love with others, giving them a glimpse of Jesus. Every moment we experience it, it's precious. Every moment can lead to God getting the glory, but we must rethink the way we love in these moments. Our love must be sincere without wax. We must hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Leave the dark and come into the light. We must be devoted to loving and helping one another. We must honor others above ourselves. We must live together. We must, it will all lead to the end result. But we must follow his voice as he calls. Can you hear his voice calling your name? Can you hear the voice of Jesus calling you to leave the grave? And as you walk out of that grave, out of the darkness into the light, as as fresh air fills your lungs, Jesus orders the grave clothes to be removed because you do not belong to the grave. You are free. And as you move towards Jesus with a heart full of gratitude, you can hand him the bitterness. You can hand him the despair because you don't need it anymore. And as you begin to feel the love of Jesus rising up inside of you, as you realize his delay, it was never a denial. It was leading towards the end result, the glory of God. And as you watch the glory of God unfold, you realize the same love. Are you with me? The same love, that same love that, impacted Martha and Mary's moment of mourning. That same love can impact your moment, whatever moment you're in. That same power that raised Lazarus from the grave, that same power, it is moving in your marriage. It is moving in your finances. That same power is moving when you lose your job. That same power, it is moving when a loved one is sick. That same power, it lives inside of us. That same power, it moved a little girl to buy me a bag of candy. That same power that moved a little girl to want to pray for me. That same power is moving with us from moment to moment. That is the God that we serve and we get to share his love. So no matter what moment you find yourself in, follow the voice of Jesus. Love others the way that he loves you wholeheartedly, sincerely, without wax. No more why now, only even now. Even now, God, I trust you. Even now, I love you. Even now, I will believe. Even now, I will love in this moment that I did not plan. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.